Well, hey, welcome back to the Oasis Church Podcast. We're glad you're with us today. Hey, we're always inspired to hear how God is using this ministry from right here in Winchester, Virginia to change lives all around the world. And if you have a story to share, we'd love to hear it. Send us an email at amen at myoasischurch.org. Now, if you'd like to support this ministry financially so that we can continue to bring messages just like this one to you each and every single week, you can do so at myoasischurch.org slash give. Thank you so much for your generosity. You're truly making a difference. Now prepare your hearts to hear a word from God. Uh, so next week will be Mother's Day. We have a, a special service for you, and uh, it's going to be awesome. You are not going to want to miss it. And then uh, the following week, we're going to be starting a brand new series, and I haven't even decided the title of the series yet, but uh, I want to debunk popular myths about our faith, um, about God, about our uh, Savior, about church, and uh, I'm excited for that. So we'll be starting a brand new series after Mother's Day. Uh, you're not going to want to miss it. How many of you uh, have a Connect card on your seat? I'm, I'm going to actually ask us to do something a little different this morning. Maybe you used it as a first-time guest. That's awesome. Or prayer requests or praise reports. But also, if you haven't turned it in yet, I'd love for you to do one more thing. You don't have to put your name on it if you don't want to. But in the fall, I'd love to do a series where our church is answering questions that you might have and you would like a biblical standpoint view on that. And uh, I'd love for you to write down those questions uh, as you think of them over the next couple of weeks and just put those in the offering boxes on your way out or or stop by the next steps table and, and put those there because I'd love to do a series where we answer the questions you might have. Isn't that good? Amen? Amen. Hey, one more thing. Uh, man, I got I to gotta answer a couple of questions. This week alone, I don't know why, so many people have asked me two different things, and I want to answer those things uh, to the whole church. And I'll probably do it a couple of weeks in a row just so that all 200 people that come to our church once a month can uh, hear it. Uh, but um, first off, I, we have over 200 people that are involved at our church. Isn't that an amazing church? And we started just a year and like two months ago uh, in a small hotel room. It's so cool to see. But now I want to challenge you if you're watching online uh, to, to come every week or if you're here this morning, I would love to challenge you to, to come every week because then we'd have to, uh, I don't know, go to two services, get our own building or something. Wouldn't that be awesome? But the, the first question I want to answer is, do we want to be a portable church forever? And listen, the answer is simple, No. Not at all. I do not want to be a portable church at all for the rest of our uh, life as a church. I know our setup team is praying for a building, and we are praying for a building. Chad is like, yes, we're praying for a building. And listen, we are looking for a building, but the truth is that we just need your financial support to be able to do that. And we want to start looking at buildings that we could potentially rent or potentially buy, and we're going to be starting a building campaign fund for that uh, very soon. So there'll be more information about that, but if you want to give towards that specific purpose, for us to have our own building, for us to have our own facility, to be able to do ministry uh, all week long in our facility, wouldn't that be amazing and be able to be a a center of outreach for our entire community? Um, It would be amazing to be able to do that. We don't believe that church is just here on Sunday mornings, amen? And, uh, but we've been thankful for uh, where we've been. Uh, our church has grown and, and uh, super excited. The second question I want to answer for uh, some people is, no, we are not part of another church. Uh, this, is, this has been a popular misconception. I don't know why. So many people ask, man, what church are we a part of? And, and we are a non-denominational church. We're a standalone church. We are our own church. We, we're not a campus of another church or anything like that. Oasis Church is our own church. Me and my wife 
moved here in 2019, at the end of 2019, and we started in February 21 with a launch team. It's been amazing. You can hear all about our story in the growth track if you haven't been through that. But uh, we are our own church. Amen? Amen. That's amazing. Well, I am going to be continuing our series, and man, I just need to take a drink of water. Last week, we started a series called Brand New, Being a Brand New Creation in Christ and what that looks like. And um, we're going to be continuing that today. How many of you have ever made a mistake? Show of hands. If your hand is not going up, I would probably suggest that either A, you're embarrassed to raise your hand because of the mistake, or B, you're lying because all of us have made mistakes. Can I get an amen? I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. I've made mistakes as a spouse. I haven't been the best husband the entire time I've been married. I haven't been the best possible spouse I've been. I've made mistakes as a spouse. I've made mistakes as a parent. I haven't always fathered the children uh, that we have. We have five kids, if you don't know. I haven't always fathered them in the best way. Um, I haven't always made the best decisions. I've made mistakes. Um, I've made mistakes as a friend. Uh, I haven't always been the best friend that I could have been when I should have been. I've made mistakes as an employee. God knows that. Anybody make mistakes as an employee or or a boss? Um, uh, It it happens to all of us. And it might even surprise you that I've made mistakes even as a pastor. (gasps) Yes, I am not the perfect pastor. Uh, This isn't the perfect church. And if you're looking for a perfect church with a perfect pastor, I'm just going to tell you now that it's not going to be me. I make mistakes and I'm just glad you're along for the ride. Amen. I'm not perfect. I'm not the smartest pastor. I'm not uh, a Bible scholar in any way. I'm just an ordinary person who loves Jesus, who wants to be used by Jesus to do something extraordinary. Amen? And you should be too. You should be too. You, You should be an ordinary person who is just willing to be used by God to do whatever he wants to do. In your life. If you're taking notes this morning, uh, which you should know that I love if you take notes, uh, the title of my message this morning is Death to Sin. Death to Sin. Oh no, the pastor's talking about sin today. We shouldn't have came today. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Jim Joseph uh, says this. He says, it's okay to fail as long as you learn from your mistakes. Failing and learning shouldn't be one-offs or isolated incidents. They should weave together in a constant stream of learning that builds and rewards as we move forward. That way we can improve and eventually succeed more often than we fail. If you're taking notes, the first key point that I want to make this morning is failure always precedes success. Failure always precedes success. How many of you like this blazer that I decided to put on today? Man, Listen, sometimes I'm up here in a sweatshirt, sometimes I'm up here in a button-up shirt. You just never know what you're going to get with me. Uh, I only own one suit. I use it for weddings and funerals. That's it. Um, I've only done uh, a couple of those, and uh, other than that, it just uh, it just stays in my closet. Um, I don't typically wear a suit. I, uh, I, I debated on putting the whole suit on, but I thought, mm, uh, that's too much for our church, so I didn't do it. Uh, but... Uh, so I don't know. I like it. I like it. I might have to, I might have to get more of these because uh, I'm liking it. Men, we typically don't read instructions. Any men out there uh, that would say, hmm, you typically skip over the instructions? Yeah, I know I do. I'm actually uh, really bad with it. Uh, one time, um, 
um, I was at my grandfather's house when I was just a, a, a young kid, and uh, my uh, we, call, we called it like the Tally Clan because there's five of us, my grandfather, my dad, and my uncle. My dad and uncle were brothers, right? And then my grandfather, and then, and then me and my cousin. It was like all the Tally Boys in one room. And whenever that happened, it usually consisted of just arguing back and forth because all of us had to be right about whatever conversation we were talking about. And even though like, we knew we were probably wrong, we would fight till the end of, of time that we were right, even though we knew we weren't. But anyways, uh, the, uh, the funny thing that happened was my, my grandmother, uh, who, who bought this very, very nice cabinet, uh, it had to be put together. I'm sure it was probably from Ikea or something uh, because I couldn't believe we were putting this thing together. And she kept telling my grandfather and my dad and my uncle, read the instructions carefully. I don't want it messed up. And they're like, it's a cabinet. We got it. We don't need the instructions. They didn't know where the instruction booklet was. They were just going to put it together. And uh, they got done, and they were super happy with it. Uh, they put it in the, in the dining room. And my grandmother came home, and she was so upset because because the most important part of it in the front was actually reversed. It was backwards, and it was glued that way. And it had been sitting for hours. And when they tried to take it apart, it broke. And uh, it broke her brand new, her brand new cabinet. Um, another story, uh, whenever I uh, was dating my wife, Marjorie. Uh, come on, can we give it up for Marjorie this morning? Brownie points. She'll be watching this later, but mwah, I love you. Uh, and uh, service is dismissed. That's, uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, when my wife and I were dating, she had an Android phone. This is before she got saved and knew that iPhone was the only way. Uh, but uh, she had an Android phone. And every time I texted her, it was green. Gosh, anybody that uses an iPhone knows. Man, if you come to this church, you know I pick on Android users all the time. Uh, but anyway, she had broken the screen, and I was like, oh, that's what you get for being an Android user. It's so uh, unreliable. It's an awful phone. And uh, we were just dating, and I was like, don't buy a new phone. I can fix it. And she was like, oh, you can fix it. And I was like, of course I can fix it. I'm a little techie guy. Uh, I know how to fix this. And she was like, okay. And I ordered the parts offline. Now, this is like when smartphones first starting having touchscreens. You know what I mean? Like, this is like brand new touchscreens. Uh, not a whole lot of people had them yet. And uh, uh, I, I bought the stuff. And um, it was going so well. I started to, uh, if, if, has any of uh, blah. Has any of you ever uh, replaced a screen on your phone by yourself? Here, I'm going to give you one tip. One person in the entire room who happens to be the creative faster. Don't do it, okay? Don't do it. Uh, it's just much better paying the deductible and getting it fixed yourself. Uh, because if you mess it up, the deductible, uh, the insurance is no longer going to cover it, okay? So anyways, uh, I told my wife I got it, and she said, read the instructions carefully. And I was like, I read the instructions. I'm fine. I got it. And uh, mind you, we were just dating at this point. And uh, uh, I went over to her house. I had the, I had the parts, and I, I start using a hair dryer. I'm, like, heating up the screen. Believe it or not, it's glue that holds your screen on. I'm starting to heat it up, and then uh, the screen starts to slowly pry off, and I'm using the tools that came. And she kept saying, there's this little wire, and if you cut that little wire, it, it, the, the device is toast. And I was like, I got it. I understand. I, I get it. I'm like slowly going. She's like, I really think you should watch the video about where this wire is at. And I was like, no, I got it. It's okay. I'm going to see the wire. And then before I knew it, slice right through the wire. And it was the wire that like connected something to something. I don't know. Uh, and suddenly I broke the device permanently. And uh, not only were we out of a phone, we were out of the $100 screen replacement price cost that I had to pay. Um, and that was the beginning of our relationship. 
uh, making a huge mistake. I sh she should have learned then. I probably wasn't ever going to listen to her, and it was her chance to run. Uh, but she decided to stick around. Even successful people that we admire make mistakes. They fail. Michael Jordan said in a commercial one time, I've missed more than 9,000 shots in my career. I've lost almost 300 games, and 26 times I've missed the game-winning shot. I failed over and over in my life, and that's why I succeed. I failed over and over in my life, and that's why I succeed. There's always a failure preceding the success. And this might even be a surprise to some of you that Christians make mistakes too. Some of you are like, nope, my spouse makes all the mistakes. I know it. Uh, Christians are some messed up people sometimes. We're a bunch of hypocrites. Uh, we, we as Christians, we still sin because the Bible says that all have fallen short of the glory of God and we are all sinners and we don't have to look far to hear about how Christians are failing. We can text friends and get on a phone call and talk about friends who are our Christian friends who are, who are making mistakes and failing. We can turn on the news and hear about prominent Christian leaders in our world today who have made mistakes. And the, the subject of failure for Christian deals with this. It deals with sin. It deals with salvation. It deals with holiness, ethics, and what the Christian life is supposed to look like. So, Pastor, are we just one constant failure? Is there any hope for us at all? I thought, I thought Christians never made mistakes. How are we supposed to make any progress? I thought we were supposed to be holy. I thought we learned last week that we were supposed to be set apart, that, that there was something special about us. And last week I talked about sanctification, and we'll continue that a little bit today. And sanctification is simply being set apart for Jesus. As Christians, we are saved from something, but are we saved for something? We're saved from something, but are we saved for something? Romans chapter 6, verse 11. If you have your Bible, you can pull it out. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, if you have an Android, sorry, don't, uh, don't pull that out. But is there even a Bible app on the Android? I don't know. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. If you're a first-time guest, I love you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. They'll put it on the screen. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead but now you have life. So use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. The second key point that I want to make this morning, if you're taking notes, is it isn't a sin that dies to us. We die to sin. When we become a Christian, it's not like sin and temptation just disappear from our lives. It's us that die to sin. And it's, hope, it's my hope that during this message, message uh, through yes, or last week's message, through the understanding of 
our brokenness through the understanding of sanctification that we can become more like Christ. Learning to die to our sin starts with the awareness that we understand that we are born into a sinful world. The fallen world in which we live is already sinful, and we're born into that. Paul in this chapter is describing the tension between sin and holiness. The tension between sin and holiness. Verse 11 again, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And then in 14, sin is no longer your master. It's important to note here that sometimes to get away from sin, you got to run away from sin. You got to run away from sin. Can I get a witness? Anybody? It's kind of like uh, Joseph with Potiphar's wife in, in Genesis. Uh, Joseph is going into the house to do his duties, and uh, Potiphar's wife is like, hey, come to bed with me. And he runs out of the house. He runs away from the temptation of sin. I'll read it to you. Verse 11 in chapter Genesis 39, verse 11 says, One day he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak. That's Potiphar's wife. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. Now, I think we read that weird. I think she was like a little more aggressive. She probably grabbed him, right? Was like, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He avoided her temptation to adultery, but realized in order to actually avoid even being accused of the sin, he had to run away from it completely. To be dead to sin means to not to respond to sin or temptation. What is sin? Sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. I'm going to say that one more time. Sin is meeting a legitimate need in an illegitimate way. When our real and valid needs aren't being met in appropriate ways, we will find artificial ways to satisfy those needs. And the truth is, even as Christians, we're going to be tempted. Jesus was even tempted. And Paul in this chapter is striving to show that God's grace and his forgiveness do not give us a license to sin. That God actually does care about our character. God actually cares about our character. It isn't sin that dies to us. It's us that dies to sin. And as Christians, we're free from sin, but we still do sin. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. But when we fail, which we will, it's important to move forward. Move forward. That's the difference when you're saved. Key point number three, if you're taking notes, is there is hope in Jesus for the messy walk. There is hope in Jesus for the messy walk. Walk. When you become a Christian, life doesn't simply just become super easy. You have the same struggles as before. You have the same sin patterns before. But now there's hope in to walk that life. Romans 6, chapter, or chapter 6, verse 17. Thank God once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey this teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteousness living. We're not bound to sin, but we can learn from our mistakes in our life with Christ. Even though none of us started well, we can all finish well thanks to Jesus. Anybody thankful for Jesus? Anybody thankful 
that he set you free. Amen. I need a volunteer. I need three volunteers. Three volunteers. Who wants to be a volunteer? Tracy, John, and Curtis. Look at that. I was about to call on somebody. Some of you were about to get the microphone, and you were scared. Hey, listen, uh, I heard a pastor say one time, uh, somebody told me that a pastor said this. He said, uh, you guys can come up here if you want. <clears throat> Who wants to be Jesus? <laughs> John could be Jesus. Uh, Carla was telling me that her old pastor said, hey, if you don't serve in kids' church, I'm going to go serve in kids' church, and you're going to have to preach. Uh, would anybody like to preach? Anybody? Any takers? Nope? Okay. Uh, Tracy, on this side, uh, you're going to represent, uh, John, go over there for a minute. <laughs> Jesus hasn't came yet. Uh, Tracy, you can come over here. Tracy represents our life, sorry, before Jesus. Uh, Curtis, you come over here. Many of you have probably seen this illustration before, especially if you're a church person. If not, awesome. Uh, Curtis, he represents life after Jesus. And there's this huge gap between before we were saved and after we get saved, right? And the gospel, simply put, is John, come over here. Make a, make a cross with your arms, right? That Jesus came to fill the gap. Jesus came to fill the gap. Tracy, do you think that without a bridge from Jesus, that you could jump over that gap by yourself, right? Jesus came, right? Now, listen, I'm not going to make you do this. Come on, John. I was going to say, Tracy, jump on John's back. I'm not going to make him do it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Come over here. Come over here. Jesus came. Now, imagine, use your imaginative minds that Tracy is now on the back of Jesus, and Jesus takes her over the gap. Isn't that awesome? That's what Jesus came to do. Look at that. Look at that. You two can sit down. Thank you. Give them a hand. John, I'm going to use you for more. The worship team can come up as well. Now, listen, I'm not going to be uh, the best... John, will you come right here on this black box? Nothing significant about the black box. There are probably a million different ways that I could have done this illustration better, but you're going to have to bear with me, okay? Uh, I'm also not a great handwriter, so uh, don't judge me because uh, it's bad. I brought two markers because I don't know if one of them worked or not, and I actually just stole it out of the teacher's lounge, so <laughs> hopefully... Hopefully they work. We've all have done things. We've all made mistakes. We've all have had things done to us. And all of those things together distort our view of who Jesus is in our lives. It, 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 it gives us a perspective about who Jesus is, the, the view of our world, and the view of God. There it is. Uh, my son. My son's running production. He's like, use the backup mic. He knows. He knows. 
All right, hold on a second here. This is, we need a headset mic. <laughs> no, I'm good. It's okay. All right. Now I'm going to attach a bunch of clips to my head. And hopefully paper clips uh, work. There it is. Thank you. We all have beliefs about ourselves. Maybe John believes that he's dirty. Some of us in this room this morning probably have some thoughts like that ourselves. I'm dirty. I could never be used by God. There's no way that after all that I've done and how dirty I am, that Jesus would ever love me. Another thought that a lot of us have. This is a sentimental moment, but I'm making it awkward. Broken. John's a great volunteer. <laughs> I'm broken. I've been through too much. I've had everything taken away from me. I've lost everything. My marriage failed. My kids don't talk to me anymore. My life's fallen apart. I'm just in a broken million pieces. Another thought that many of us will feel like. Reject it. Nobody loves me. I don't fit in anywhere. People don't see me by my present. They see me by my past. They see the mistakes I've made. I don't have any friends. Nobody loves me. Maybe... Because of these things, I've resorted to filling voids in my life with something else, and I've become an addict. I'm trying to fill, fill voids in my heart with things, but it just seems like nothing that I try is working. Nothing that I try is, is, is filling the void that I have in my heart. The medicine isn't working the pills, the alcohol, whatever it is. The truth is that in the spirit, we are none of these things. In the spirit, we're none of these things. John, let's say he raises his hands today and he gives his life to Christ. 
He prays the prayer that we all know. He gives his life to Christ. I wish I had a crown, put a crown on him. And now he's going to heaven. Isn't that awesome? He's going to heaven, right? He gave his life to Christ. He's going to heaven. But the truth is, he still feels dirty. He still fights with rejection. He still is broken inside. He's still trying to mask all of those things with things that'll never, never work. But in the spirit, he's none of those things, right? And as long as you believe these things, you'll experience the fruit of these things. As long as you believe that you're dirty, you'll experience the fruit of dirtiness. As long as that you believe you're an addict, the pills will just keep popping, the alcohol will just keep coming, whatever it is. As long as you feel rejected, you will never fit in because you'll experience the fruit of what you believe. And this is the problem with so many Christians is that we give our life to Christ, but yet we, can, we, we don't surrender everything to him. Is Jesus the Lord of our destiny? And is he also the Lord of our present? Because John's going to heaven no matter what. He gave his life to Jesus, right? There's nothing that John can ever do that will ever separate him from the love of God. But John's fruit is still going to be from dirtiness, from rejection, right? Because that's what John's dealing with in his head. And sanctification, this is where it gets good. You all better get ready to stand to your feet. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The process of sanctification is repentance that John no longer believes that he's dirty, right? But I'll let you do it. He now believes that he's clean because of what Jesus has said, because of what Jesus has done. And whenever John gets rid of this, whenever John stops believing the lies of the enemy that he's dirty, that's called repentance. That's called changing the way he thinks, right? John's not dirty, he's clean. John's not broken because of what Jesus did on the cross. John is whole, right? He doesn't have to believe the lies from the enemy that he's broken because Jesus is putting him together piece by piece. John doesn't have to believe that he's rejected John can believe that he's accepted. That he's accepted. And that's why this church will always be a church that reaches people who don't know Jesus. This is why this church will always be a church that accepts people the way they come in. And we don't judge people. We don't hate people. We love people because Jesus loves people. Man, I'll get so passionate about that. I'm sick and tired of churches hating people because of what they believe differently. But Jesus says, now because of what I've done, I'm accepted. And because of what I've done, come on, you better keep clapping. Because of what I've done, you are free in my name. You are free in my name. I don't care what you've done. I don't care what you've said. You are free in the name of Jesus.
because John gave his life to Jesus, he's clean. He was still going to heaven before he went through this process of repentance, of getting rid of the brokenness, getting rid of the rejection. But now through the process of sanctification, he has to remind himself daily with scriptural truths that he is clean, that he is accepted, that he is free and he is whole. And that is what Jesus came to do. Come on, will you stand to your feet all over this place? Only the grace of God can do that. Only the grace of God can train us for godliness. Only the grace of God can keep us faithful to the end. And the truth is that you didn't start this way, but because of Jesus, you can finish the race well. Only the grace of God can grant us fresh repentance. Would you bow your heads? Thank you, John. You can... You can keep them. I don't care. <laughs> Maybe you're in this place this morning and you say, man, I've never given my life to Jesus. Or maybe I've given my life to Jesus, but I haven't surrendered it all to him. I haven't let him be the Lord of my life, of my present. I know that I'm going to heaven, but he isn't the Lord of my present. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know that you're going to heaven. Maybe you've never started that relationship I want this morning to be your best day of your life by accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior and know that you don't have to get it perfect. You're still going to mess up. You're still going to make mistakes. But through the process of Jesus being the Lord of your life, he will make you whole. As a church family, we're going to pray this prayer out loud for the benefit of those who may be saying it for the very first time. Maybe you want to come to Christ today and make him the Lord of your life, or maybe you want to rededicate or surrender it all this morning, I ask that you would repeat this prayer with me. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe that you died and that you rose again three days later. Come into my life. Make me a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. In Jesus' name, amen. With heads still bowed and eyes still closed, if you just prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe you rededicated your life, I'm going to count to three and I want you to shoot your hand up unashamedly, boldly, and just say, that was me. On the count of three, one, two, three. If that was you, shoot your hand up. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Come on. There's still time. Shoot your hand up. If you just prayed that prayer online, I want you to click the link in the chat. Come on, church. Let's worship God together in Jesus' name.